welcome to Straight Talk with Andrea Joyce. Thank you for joining me this evening. I appreciate you tuning in. Well, I hope you had a great 4th of July. Can you believe that we are in the 7th month of the year already? I don't know about you, but this year is flying by for me. And so, on this July 7th, I want you to really take stock of where you are in life and what you're doing. You're already past the halfway point. It's not too late to start some career moves, start some businesses, start that book, write that song, go on that adventure, travel the world. It's not too late. And so I just suggest that you don't stop living and instead of watching your life pass you by, participate in your life as it passes by. It's nothing like, remember when we were children and we'd be on punishment? For us, punishment was staying in the house. Nowadays, it's like kids, their punishment is being sent out of the house. But during the era that I grew up, punishment was staying in the house. And if that wasn't bad enough to make the punishment worse, We'd be looking in our windows and watching the kids outside playing and doing all the things we wish we could do. Well, the kids playing outside is your life. You punish yourself when you don't participate in doing the things that you want to do. And so instead of being the child who's moping and leaning on elbows watching life pass by, go out out there and have fun. Kick a dodgeball. Well, okay, you don't kick a dodgeball, you dodge a dodgeball, but kick uh, a soccer ball, bat a ball, do anything and everything that you have to do for your life. Life is short. I just had news of losing a friend of mine and I'm very upset about it. The plans that they had planned for their lives, they can no longer take part in because they're no longer here. So there's nothing else you remember about our conversation today. Remember to participate in your life. Take active action in your life. Don't just watch it, participate in it. Well, hello, I am Andrea Joyce. I am the author of 31 Ways to Self-Care and 5 Steps to Overcoming Unforgiveness. Thank you for tuning in with me tonight. Our conversation will be short, as always. I just wanted to talk to you a little bit because it's been in my spirit. And, you know, I like us to have a very good open conversation and we keep it adult in here. We're not here to offend or to hurt, but we're here to love and to heal. Right. So today's topic is suck the poison out. This is going to come under tip number 12 in my 31 ways to self-care book. Put yourself first. It comes under that uh, title. If you have not purchased your book, please get your book. It's available on my website, www.authorandreajoyce.com. It's available on Amazon. And you can shoot me an email at authorandreajoyce at gmail.com if you would prefer to pay with Cash App, PayPal, Venmo, or Zelle. If you're in the local Atlanta area, you can give me a call at 404-594-2510 and I can meet up with you if you have cash. Okay, 
So I wrote this book, 31 Ways to Self-Care, because all throughout my life, I suffered uh, with depression, with depressive thoughts, sadness. I felt like a failure. I felt like I fell, that I wasn't getting up. I compared myself to other people. I was never winning. It felt like it was like the world was against me. So many things that I gone through that most of the majority of the people around me did not go through. So I felt like something was wrong with me. In order to bolster myself and to boost my enthusiasm and love of life, these tips helped me. And so because these tips helped me, I put them all together in a book in hopes that they would help you. You may not go through all 31 steps in a month. It may be over three months or over six months, but as long as you're working the tips in the book, you'll get uh, better at loving and caring for yourself. These are tried and true. I have actually done all 31 over and over and over and over again. And like I always tell you with this book, it's not a one and done. So you do it one month or you do it three months or you do it six months. Go back six months, a year, two years, five years later, just to see where you are in life now after you have completed the book to see if you've changed for the better. Are there some areas of improvement that you could work on? It's definitely for your benefit, not your detriment. So today, sucking the poison out or suck the poison out. Why this conversation for this day? because there are a lot of us who live in other people's worlds. And what I mean by that is there are boxes that people put us in. We don't often ask to be in these boxes, but we're put in them anyway. They have expectations of what they want from us, where they want our lives to go, what they want us to do in life, who they want us to be to them. And oftentimes we don't get a say so we just get put into the box. You know how you're packing something. Your dishes don't ask you uh, what box can I go in. They don't give you suggestions. You just wrap them up and put them in a box. Well, that's what's been happening in a lot of our lives. We are born into a family we have not asked to be in. The majority of us are born into or adopted into or married into. And we're a part of this family. We don't have say so from it. And we go on. And from that point on, if you notice the things in your life, you'll see that people have expectations of you. Some may want you to be a doctor. Some may want you to be a lawyer. Some may want you to be a basketball player. Some may want you to be a boxer. Some may want you to be a singer. Some may want you to be an actor. And because of these different things, when we make decisions, we don't necessarily make decisions on things that we want. We make decisions on things to make people happy. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about people pleasing. We won't do that anymore. That's what we agreed to, right? But there are some people who really think that we belong in one area of the corner of our life or in their life. And as soon as you try to come out of that area, it's a problem. And now they want to put their rhetoric on you. They want to put their title on you. They want to push you back in the box because as long as you're there, they're comfortable because they can always rely on you to be where they left you. When you start advancing and moving forward and doing the things that you want to do, it's very uncomfortable for people because now they can't count on you to always be there. 
oh, she always types my paper or he always makes my meal or she always serves me. Well, when you start advancing and moving up and coming out of that box, now you're not making their food. You're not writing or typing their paper. You're not in the spot that they thought that you should be in. So they get a little upset because now who they've counted on, they no longer can count on. And a lot of us are selfish. We're going to be honest tonight or we're going to play around on this Wednesday evening. No, we're going to be honest. A lot of us are selfish because we want people where we want them, when we want them. And because of that, we put these expectations, rules and regulations on people that are unfair and unnecessary for their growth. We hinder them instead of helping them. And it isn't always a vocal or verbal conversation. It's sometimes just by our actions. When they come to us and tell us about their victory or what they have going on, if it's not what we think they should be doing, we're negative, we down talk, we have a frown on our face, we have that look on our face like, here we go again. Some of us take a few years to find out what we want to do in life. There are others who have to try 20 things in order to understand none of the 20 things works for them, but the 21st thing does. If you're that person, you are who I'm talking to. Everybody is not born knowing their purpose. Everybody's not born knowing what they want to do in life. Everybody doesn't have an automatic, this is what I want to do and I'm going to do it. Now, I think that there are those that are able to know what their calling is. As a matter of fact, my mother knew from a young age that she wanted to work in the medical field. She knew she wanted to be a nurse. She never changed that. She went after that dream. She went after that goal. She got her degree and she became a registered nurse and she retired from nursing. She did it all her life. So she knew what she wanted. She was born that way. Me, on the other hand, I had an idea of what I wanted to do in life. I wanted to become a lawyer. I knew that from the age of five. But guess what? When I hit 17, my thoughts changed completely. I changed. I didn't want to do it. And I was lost for years. But so I would be able to support my child. I went to school and got a, certific a certification in an area where I could find a job. My lips don't want to work tonight. I found an area where I could find a job. I was praying that it would be lucrative. It was not lucrative for me. And I know why now, because God never wanted me to get comfortable. How many of us get comfortable in a situation and we don't move past where we're supposed to pass? And so God sometimes has to do things to make us move out of our own way to move out of the way, to move and go forward, because otherwise we'll die where we are. And he doesn't want us to die in Egypt. He wants us to get to the promised land, the promise and the purpose of our lives. So why am I talking about this when I'm talking about sucking the poison out? This is a twofold conversation. Not only do people want to keep you in a box at times, not only do people want to put their expectations on you and their thoughts on you, but there are also people who, in, who are in your life who are very negative. They don't see the good in you. They don't see the good in what you're doing. They don't see it because they're so caught up in what they have going on and what they're doing. And they don't want you to surpass them, nor do they want you to be in their spotlight or your own spotlight because it'll take away from theirs or so they think. 
here's my take on life. There are 8 billion people in the world. Well, science and, 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 and uh, those that uh, calculate the world say it's 7 point something billion. I say 8 billion. There are 8 billion people in the world. Out of 8 billion people, you cannot tell me that every single person can do something with spotlight that, that they love. They can't fly. We have 8 billion people in the world. Everyone is not going to be a singer. Everyone's not going to be a dancer. Everyone's not going to be an actor. Everyone's not going to be a basketball star or football star or boxer or a baseball player. Everyone's not going to be the doctor or the lawyer, the, the um, rental management, apartment management, property manager. Everybody's not going to do the same thing, the mechanic, the flight attendant. Everyone is going to do something different. So here's the thing. If there are 8 million people, 8 billion, excuse me, people in the world and a hundred of, of us do the same thing, guess what? A hundred of us are still not going to reach 8 billion people. We can give it a good try. And at different times, we may have a billion followers, a million point five followers. We may. But my whole point is, even if we do the same thing, there's so many people in the world, no one has to be jealous or envious of the other person. No one has to throw shade on the person. No one has to bring somebody down in order to build themselves up because guess what? Even if there are a hundred of us doing the same thing, we will never do it the same way. We're always going to put our own spin on it. You are an original. Even as people try to copy you, it's very hard to replace the original. Think of all, just close your eyes for a minute. I want you to think about going into the grocery store and somebody shared this with me. I can't remember who it was. I would love to give them their credit, but this was so powerful to me. It may have been on a, a meme that I saw. Imagine you going into the grocery store. You walk in, guess what? One of the first things, depending on the grocery store you walk in, to you see is bread on the bread aisle now you know what a grocery store shelves look like for the most part when you go into the big grocery stores i'm not talking about the mom and pop stores or the bodega i'm talking about the huge name brand grocery stores right you walk in for the most part a lot of them put the bread in the front some put it in the middle and some put it at the end. It just depends. But wherever store you shop in, there is a bread aisle. Usually in that aisle, depending on how big the store is, the store name, the store brands, the bread aisle is by itself. You may have bread. You may have peanut butter and jelly. You On the other side, you may have the uh, cakes and the little snacks. I don't want to call out any names, <laughs> but you may have that. Or you might just have bread. As you walk down the bread aisle, remember, close your eyes. I want you to do your shopping with me. You see not one kind of bread, not two kinds of bread, not three kinds of bread. You see four or five different kinds of bread. And within that, the kinds of bread, you see different brands of bread. You can have, uh, my God, I've seen over like, 20 different brands of bread and within those brands they're different kind there may be pumpernickel potato wheat honey wheat and so on and so on now if we were concerned about 
copying. If we were concerned about doing what others do, would there be that many brands of bread? Would there be that many flavors of bread? No. We would have one brand, one kind, because nobody could get it right. Do you think everybody woke up that's in that bread aisle and said, today I'm going to make this kind of bread and nobody else can make it? No. They had an idea. They put it forth. They didn't worry about competition and who was around them. They went ahead and pushed forward. And so what? There were 12 other people making the kind of bread. Can I be honest with you? We're going to keep it 100, which we do. If you go and taste the same flavor of bread, the same kinds of bread from different brands, they don't taste the same. There are slight differences. There are no two identical brands that taste exactly the same. That's why when you go shopping in your mind, you know if you want brands A or brand B or brand C or brand D because you know the taste you're looking for. I found it very interesting last year when I was doing uh, shopping for people. I found it very interesting that if a certain brand of a bread was out, they didn't want to replace it with a store brand or replace it with another brand. They didn't want that. They wanted what they wanted. And if it wasn't there, they were like, never mind. Because all bread doesn't taste the same. Even when I was growing up and it was just white rye, I think it was pumpernickel, everything, all the kinds that are out now were not out. But let's just talk about white bread. I had my favorite white bread on the planet when I was eating white bread. If the store, and we used to get our bread from the factory, and I think everybody in Patterson, New Jersey knows exactly the factory I'm talking about. We would get our bread from this factory. It was also the brand name of the bread, and it was white bread. There were not too many other white breads out there, let's just be honest. But it was my favorite bread. And that's the only place I wanted bread from. So when it would come a point in time when we would go to the store, to the factory, and the bread ran out because they made it fresh, I wasn't going to be eating sandwiches that week. I wasn't going to be eating sandwiches until they got bread back in because I didn't even want it from the grocery store. I wanted it fresh made from the factory. And so I tell you that because even if you and 100 people do the same thing, Somebody is going to be attracted to the way that you do it. Someone's going to be delighted that you do it this way because it's the way they want it, the way they need it, the way they understand it, the way they get it. They're comfortable with you. And they may not want to hear the same conversation from the other 99. This is why you never have to compete with someone else. We have it twisted because our country has gains and we compete against teams, we take competition into our lives. You don't have to compete for anyone's approval, attention, affection, none of it, because you are unique. You will do things your way in your timing and there will be people who will support you. Everybody who's around you will not support you though. And I want you to get that into your spirit because we're sucking the poison out. See, all of this has to do with poison because we're poisoned into thinking 
we have to stay in a box. We have to do what other people want us to do. We have to be miserable in our lives because what we want isn't popular. It isn't uh, famous. It isn't um, what people want. And so we're miserable. We have this poison that's in us that's eating us up because we're not walking into our greatness. We're not walking into the levels that we're supposed to walk into because we're bound by what people think. And what people say and what people have poured into us and that negativity has to go unfortunately some of the closest people to us are the ones that are spewing the poison into our life there are people in our lives who it might be intentional it may be unintentional i cannot tell you your circumstance but they constantly belittle what you do because it's not the requisite degree it's not the requisite nine to five you're not getting the bonuses you're not getting the health care you're not getting the benefits package it's not the amount of money they would go for you're not living in the kind of house they would live in you're not driving the kind of car they would drive you don't have the kind of kids that they have you don't attend the kind of church they attend you don't wear the kind of clothes and the designers that they wear your hair is not traditionally the way it should be that they are acceptable for and because we have grown up with this we have a mindset that if I don't act like, look like, and think like everybody else, there's something wrong with me. Instead of embracing what it really is, just because I don't talk like, look like, think like, act like somebody else, that's a good thing. Because I'm not a clone. I'm my own person. I am original. See, it's frowned upon in places to be an original. It sounds cute on paper. It sounds cute when we talk on shows and, and we uh, have these aha moments on radio and TV and in talk shows and um, with our counselors. But when it comes to actually living life, there are not too many people who are comfortable with us being unlike them. They're not comfortable with the originals or what we used to call back in the day, the black sheep. There was always a black sheep, two or three in a family. And they were always made to feel like outsiders. They were always made to feel like you'll never get it right. You're never going to accomplish anything. You are the pain in my backside. And I rue the day that you were born. Not an exaggeration. I've been a black sheep before. I probably still am. But now I D G A F. We're being adults. But I'm just telling you, I don't care. Because today, we are going to agree that we are going to suck the poison of people's thoughts of us, ideas of us, expectations of us out. And we are going to live healthier lives. Lives where we have more peace than stress. Do you know it is possible to live in peace? Do you know that it is possible to have the peace of God that surpasses all understanding over you, in you, through you, and around you? Did you know that? See, when you silence yourself, when you try to live by others' standards, there's no peace there. You're wondering why you can't get rest, why you can't get sleep, why you're stressed going to work, why you're stressed in traffic, why you're stressed here, stressed there, stressed, stressed everywhere. 
It's because you're not living what you want to live. You're not living how you want to live. You may not be living where you want to live. Can I be honest with you? You know I will. My daughter and I talked last week. It was so funny because I was having some moments. Last week was a rough week. And I definitely want to thank my friends for the ones that checked in on me and knew something was wrong and the friends that helped me to escape it. I appreciate you because that's a part of self-care. This this goes under putting yourself first. I wasn't doing that. I was drowning in a whole lot of emotion and doubt, worry and stress and frustration and aggravation last week. I wasn't even taking my own advice. So let me apologize to you. I got myself right back together. Like, uh-uh. What self-care process do you need to do to get yourself right? And it came right after I had such a great breakthrough. I had an hour of shutdown time and I got so much information. And as soon as my life fell on top, attacks were coming from everywhere and I just couldn't breathe through them. So I just gave up. I didn't even give up. I just, I just was. Sometimes you have to just be. Sometimes you have to wait for the storm to come all around you and do what it's going to do and look up and see the break in the clouds and say, okay, Rusa, I'm okay. Now let me get myself back together. We'll talk about that. That's powerful. But I had a moment last week where I talked to my daughter, my youngest one, and I said to her, I'm done with Atlanta. I'm sick of it. I don't want it anymore. It's just not working for me. I had gotten to a point where I was like, I'm depressed. I'm disgusted. I feel like I've been deceived. (laughs) I sent out my resume a billion places. No one's calling me back. There are no job offers. They're talking about the world is back open. Everybody is hiring. But in my field, I keep submitting the resume. I'm not getting a call back. And so I was like, I might have to just leave this place because I'm sick of it and go somewhere else. And for the next maybe two to three hours, we actually planned on where we were going to move to. Boy, I was making intricate plans and plots because I was sick of Atlanta. Now, can I tell you something? The reason I live in Atlanta, Georgia this time is because God told me to come here and to walk into the purpose he had for me. I was done with New Jersey. It was time to go. The first time I moved to Atlanta, I didn't consider God because I wasn't talking to him like that because I didn't know him like that back then. I moved to Atlanta because Atlanta was one of the places I always wanted to live. I came to visit the first time when I was 10 years old and I fell in love with the clean city, the clean streets, the bright blue sky, the black owned businesses. It was amazing to me to see at 10 years old. So I was that was 1982. Because I was born in 72. Yep, I just told you how old I was. But don't I look great, though? But in 1982, I came and visited my uncle. And he gave us a tour. We went all up and down Atlanta. And it was just unimaginable. Unimaginable for what I was used to being from Patterson, New Jersey. And so I was like, one day I will move there. So I moved here at 24 with my daughter, who was two years old at the time. She had just turned two. And so that whole nine years of Atlanta was all me. The other thing I didn't do was when my nine years came to an end was ask God, what's my next move? Instead of talking to him and talking to family members I had here and friends that I had here, I ran away like Moses because I couldn't handle 
the pressures that I was going through. I had just lost my dad. I had just separated from my ex-husband. I had no income. I had three kids. One was 10, one was one, and one was like months old. Um, what did I say? A year? Okay, did I say 10? One years old and months, months old child. And so I was lost. So I ran away. I ran. Boy, did I run to New Jersey because New Jersey was home. But I never consulted with God to ask, is that what you wanted? Last week, when I was having all of those issues happen, God spoke to me. He said, the last time you ran away, you went somewhere you were not supposed to go. And you had hell, hell, and more hell. So if you leave this time, guess what's going to happen? Because I told you to come here because you have a purpose here. And so I had to sit down and have a conversation with God like, but Lord, I can't get a job. I have rent. My rent has gone up $300 from my last year's lease to the new lease that was just given to me. $300. I can't breathe right now. So what am I supposed to do? And I got stressed because I don't see the money. I don't understand how to get it. Yes, I wrote a book. Yes, my book will write, uh, will bless people. I was going to say it's going to write itself. Yes, it will bless people. Yes, I wrote another book. Yes, they're both self-published. Yes, I'm working on another book and another book. However, Lord, what about right now in this moment? What am I supposed to do? And guess what? I'll tell you what he answered when we come back from this break. Welcome back to Straight Talk with Andrea Joyce. Before the break, we were talking about running away from what God called me to. And what he said to me now, when I went through this panic stage and what am I supposed to do? Nothing is working out and I don't see myself right now surviving. God didn't say anything. He was quiet. He gave me no response, no answer. He allowed me to have a whole panic attack. I couldn't breathe. But what came to me was the memory of me leaving in 2005, going to New Jersey and the different things I went through from 2005 to 2009. And I know I didn't want that again. And so I said to God, all right, Lord, I don't see it. My rent is now $1,300. I still have electricity to pay. I still have gas to put in the car. I still have Wi-Fi that I have to pay because the kids have gone, you know, they go to school online virtually. So these are bills that I have that I have to pay. And then I have things for my book that I have to pay. I have a website. I have some of the uh, tools that I use to uh, publish and to uh, market. And so I'm sitting here and I'm like, okay, Lord, I'm going to trust you. Whatever you tell me to do, I'll do it. I still don't have an answer to this day, guys. However, <laughs> I'm trusting God to do it. And I said that to you because the box that was built for me was Andrea, get your college degree. Andrea, work a nine to five that has benefits. 
Andrea, get married first. Andrea, have children after. Only have a boy and a girl. Andrea, live in a white picket fence community. Andrea, have 2.5 cars, one pet, and live a comfortable, complacent life. Well, I broke that box a long time ago unintentionally because I had no idea of the direction I was going in. I was in a spiral. I'm going to be very honest with you. I had so much rebellion within me growing up because of the circumstances and situations I went through in my life. I was very rebellious. So out of the gate, I was out of the box. <laughs> out of the box. Remember that show that used to come on Disney? I was out of the box because I was dealing with so much negative emotion. I was angry. I was frustrated. I was bitter. I had resentment. I felt neglect. I felt betrayal. I felt all the negative isms and schisms that you can imagine. And so because of that, it caused me to reject the box, to rebel against the box and to do what the heck I wanted to do when I wanted to do it. Now, the thing was, a lot of the times that I was doing this, it bit me in the butt because I had no direction. I knew not I knew not of where I was going, not of where I was headed. I knew nothing except I didn't want to live for somebody else, even as I was fiending to live for somebody else. Andrea, what do you mean? What I mean by that? My entire life until maybe two years ago, maybe 2020, not even 2019, 2020, I lived to please other people. It's what I was known for. It's what I did because I wanted to be accepted and approved and validated. And because of that, wanting those things, even though I was rebelling, I was hurt, I was angry, I had all the negative emotions. There was still a piece of me, the little kid that said, please love me, please like me, please accept me, please validate me, please acknowledge me, please hear me, please, 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 please. That's who I was. But nobody knew that part because there was a thick wall that surrounded that little person inside me that was begging for affection and attention and approval. It took a long time for me to feel accepted into my family by certain family members because they always looked at me as if I didn't belong. They always held this look of disdain like here she goes again. Why can't she just fall in line? Why can't she just do what we tell her to do without question? Why can't she just be like us? Why does she have to be different? Why, 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 why? And I felt those vibes. Adults, hear me clearly. When I say children can pick up on vibes without you ever saying a word, they can feel condemnation even if you don't um, condemn them or talk down to them. They can feel distance even if you don't say, I need a moment, get away from me. They can feel your abandonment from uh, affection. They can feel all of that. Children are very intuitive, very. And I'm not just talking about the 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 year olds. I'm talking about babies, toddlers, infants, adolescents. They feel it. 
And when they feel it, the habit of a child is to overcompensate in order to feel those things. So your child may act out and do everything that you consider wrong and bad, but it's to get your attention. It's to get your affection. It's to feel validated and valued. That is important for a child. That's as important as breathing. Or on the other end, they'll do every single thing you want them to do so that they don't get that negative reaction from you. It will cause them to give up their own life. And what I mean by that, I'm not talking about death or suicide. I'm talking about they'll give up their dreams, goals, and ambitions to please you in order to live for you, in order to feel valued by you. And it's dangerous. Remember, I said we're very selfish people. And as an adult, as a parent, I was selfish, even though I knew what it was to go through the very things I was putting my children through. I knew what it was to be like, okay, okay, yeah, that might be your dream, but this is what I need you to do. Yeah, you might want to go with your friends, but this is what I need you to do. You might want to go do this, but this is what I want you to do. Very selfish because I felt like, okay, I'm an adult now. It's time for me to live now. It's time for me to do what the heck I wanted to do because I have not done it all my life. So now here I go. Well, the problem is I have children now. So my needs still have to take a back seat for a minute and raise my children and pour into them the things that they need so they can be competent adults living the way they need to live in order to be successful in their life. And success looks different for everyone. You can't see, this is why you can't compare yourself. Here we go again. Why we can't compete with each other because your idea of success and my idea of success may never match. So forever we're going to be doing this, keeping up with the Browns, keeping up with the Carters, keeping up with the Clarks, but you can't keeping up with the Johnsons because their idea of success and your idea of success will be different. The other thing is what people show you on the outside may be not what is happening on the inside. How many times have we talked about behind closed doors? You don't know what's happening in the Clark Carter Smith Brown Johnson household when the door closes. She may look like she has it going on and has it all together. But what you don't know is when the door closes, she's being abused verbally, mentally, emotionally, and physically. You don't know just because he got the new J's that behind closed doors, he's boosting to get them because his family doesn't have the money for real. They flossing like they big willy and they really little, little, little will. You don't know. So here you are trying to be them, trying to be better than them. And you will never be because your idea, their idea, your reality, their reality are totally different. So I say all of this because I keep saying that because it's bigger than this. Is as an adult. If you have children before you have children, as you're considering having children or adopting or getting into a relationship where there are children involved or getting into a relationship where you're going to blend families. It's important for you yourself to understand what it means to adult and what it means to be the caretaker of a child.
their very self-esteem and self-worth is in your hands. I want you to get that. Because we think it's all cool, 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 and I can put her in this outfit, and I can get his hair cut like that, and I can get him that chain and get him a hole in his ear, and her get these earrings and bling, bling, pow. But what about their internal needs? What about their mental needs, their emotional needs, their spiritual needs? What about So we're talking right now in this moment about sucking the poison out and knowing your role as a parent or a person who's going to be a guardian for a child's children. Know that you hold their self-worth, their self-value, their self-esteem in your hands. Children want discipline, even though we say they don't, they do. They need it. They don't want it. They need it in order so that they can be structured in life. A set bedtime, not eating anything they want any time of the day, setting some goals, some guidelines, that's fine. Definitely pour into them attention, affection, love. If you are not capable of that, then go to counseling. So we, not we, well we, because I am a life coach, we can find out what steps and what measures need to be taken so you can let go of some of the hurt, some of the damage that has been done so that you can love yourself. The best love you can give someone is when you love yourself. It's very hard to pull from something you don't have. It's hard to get water from a well that's dry. So if you don't have love for yourself, it's going to be very hard for you to love anyone else, even though you can play at it and pretend at it and, and follow and walk in the motions of it. But the realness, the genuineness won't be there. So anyway, let us continue. So their welfare is in your hands. That's what I wanted to say. As adults, now moving past the children's stage, there are many of us who growing up were missing out. Unfortunately, some of us came from broken homes. We may have not have had a dad in the home or a mom in the home. Some didn't have either parent in the home. They may have been raised by an aunt or a grandmother or a grandfather, an uncle, a brother, a sister, a cousin. And so we felt that something was missing. And that missing piece, and, and I've seen this for myself, is always the thing that the child wants. So we wanted what we didn't have. It's kind of like, you know, how you'll never think about a piece of cake until you see somebody eating a piece of cake or you go to a store and you look at this beautiful piece of cake. Now, all of a sudden, you didn't miss it. But now, because you don't have it, you hunger for it. You thirst for it. And it's like that. I'm making it simplistic because it's really much deeper than that. But I want you to get the fact that if we came from homes where there was there were people missing and love missing, we seek that and we search for it. And one of the ways that we go about getting it is to act out in a negative manner or to act out in the too positive manner. 
where nothing bothers us. The world is great and wonderful and we live for you instead of living for ourselves. So I share this with you because as we're sucking the poison out and coming out of those boxes, I need you to be real with yourself. I need you to have the understanding of, let me sit down with me. Do I like me? Now we're looking at tip number two, which is look inside yourself. Look inside. I didn't put the yourself in there, but it's the look inside piece. On this one though, I want you to check your temperature. Check your mental temperature, your emotional temperature, your spiritual temperature. Not your physical, not your financial, not your relational. This is all about you because you're putting yourself first right now. Because there are some things that you have to work on. And you can't worry about what Shay Shay and Ray Ray say. You can't worry about what Big Mama and them say. This is about you because guess what? No one else can live your life except for you. Your parents, grandparents, aunts and uncles, cousins, siblings can want it for you. But you are the one that ultimately makes the decision to live it or to not live it. So if you are the one that has the power and control, not even your spouse, not your children, you are the only one that has power over yourself. Now, others can have power, but you have to relinquish it. You have to give them power over you in order for them to have power over you. Now, I will say growing up as a child, you have no power. You have no control. <laughs> if your parents say we're going to church today, you going to church today, there is going to be consequences to you are saying no or not showing up. <laughs> Trust me. I'm not talking about ages zero to 18 or zero to college. Now you graduated. Now it's your life. I will say this too. Don't go to college for your parents. Don't go to college majoring in what your parents wish they would have majored in. Don't go there trying to live their life for them because they got pregnant young and they couldn't go or they didn't have the money to go or they dropped out because they were not interested, but they want you to live their life. You cannot live their life. This is about you. Yeah, it's hard, but I, what did I tell you when we first started? We are going to have some real conversation, adult conversation, and it might get a little warm, a little hot in the seat, a little hot around the collar. However, it's right. You cannot live for anyone else. They can have all the expectations of you that they want. But if you want to be happy and have joy in your life, you got to stop giving away your power. You can't do it. The power belongs to you. You have the power to walk out into the things that you want. Stop relinquishing that power to make somebody else happy. To not rock the boat. To not feel you let someone down. To not feel obligated or you feel obligated to someone. I've done it. And it doesn't, when I cannot, ooh, adults. My adults, my adult conversation. Can I be honest with you? Almost all my life, except for this year in 2020. And even a little bit of this year, I've had to give way when I didn't want to. Ooh. And as soon as I did, I was like, dang, I missed it. Because you're not always going to get it right. But but okay, 2020, 2021, we, those are the years where I put my foot down. Before that, 
I would do things to make other people happy. I would do things so I would not rock the boat. I did things because I felt obligated because somebody did something for me or they made me feel a certain kind of way. So I did things they wanted versus things I wanted to do. And every single time I was miserable. I tell my kids about it all the time. I went to a college. I went to the college I went to because it was the family school. It wasn't my first choice. It was my first choice because my family went to it and I wanted to be accepted by my family. Can I be honest with you? Are we going to keep it a hundred? I wanted to be in the family. I wanted to be loved and, and, and feel the validation and everything. That's not my first choice. My first choice was to go to a school in DC and I actually got accepted into the school. I wanted to be in my first choice. I got accepted in and I never told anybody. Because I was like, well, my family will be here. They're living there. Uh, okay, I'm just going to go to this school. Actually, the school I attended was my third choice. I'm just keeping it real. And it had nothing to do with money. Because the same tuition would have been the same tuition as a school in D.C. that I wanted to go to. Number two, three, and four. I love law still do to this day when i became fearful of practicing law of going to school for seven years or more to get my law degree i lost my way and as i lost my way i carried the weight of shame and embarrassment because I let my parents down. Now the people who they had been bragging to about me, they had to look at and say, oh, my daughter is a failure because that's what it felt like. They may have not have said those words, but that's what was carried on them. And I told you children are very intuitive. So I looked at my parents and I knew that I had let them down and now they're embarrassed. Now people are talking behind their backs and they don't like any of it. So here I go again. I don't feel accepted. I don't feel the approval. I don't feel the value. I don't feel the validation. I don't feel any of that. And plus there were things that happened in college. And so I was going through this, trying to find my identity. My identity had always been caught up in going to be a lawyer, going to be married by 25, going to live in the white picket fence community, going to have a boy and a girl, going to have a little doggy that was cute, going to make 70, 80, $100,000, you know, in the beginning of our careers, going traveling, being in love, falling for the whole um, happily ever after scenario. So when I dropped out of college, all of that went out the window. All my plans were gone. And guess what? I didn't have any other plan. I didn't know how to do anything else. All the jobs I had pretty much were in retail. And I knew I didn't want to do retail because I didn't like people. I always say this, God always checks me, but I didn't back then. I was a very selfish person. So I didn't care about other people. And so now I had no plan. 
I felt rejected because I embarrassed my parents. People were talking about me because I had gotten a scholarship from um, the church I was attending. So there was people's money invested in me. Now my whole family, I'm getting calls and letters, how I disappointed them and how I let them down and how could I be so stupid? And I'm being for real with you. I got letters and phone calls that said these things. I'm not making it up, I'm not, nor am I exaggerating. So now I'm getting all this negative flack. I already feel bad <laughs> because my plan is messed up. And things were happening in school that no one knew about, but no one asked me, was I okay? It was beat down Andrea. And so where I already, years before, didn't feel accepted, approved, validated, valued, here we go again. So now I got the weight of me letting me down. Let's be clear. And now I got people pouring poison in where I already have self-poisoned myself. And I have no direction. I just don't want to get the heck away from people and, and not be bothered with them because I didn't want to see the looks. I didn't want to hear the smart comments. I didn't want to hear the comparisons about how my cousins went to school and graduated and how they're not struggling and how they're doing this and how they're doing that. And I'm just sitting here like, okay. And there was still that rage that was inside me. I still had it. I still had the feelings I had when I was an adolescent, when I had anger and frustration. Remember all that we talked about earlier? So I still had that. So now we're adding to, we're putting more poison and that poison is flowing like blood all throughout my body. And now I have to put together a future and I had no idea how to do it. I was 19 having to try to put my future back together. 19. And I had all that poison. Self-induced, family-induced, friend-induced, associate-induced, church-induced, wherever there was, it was negativity coming and flowing all around. And not once did anyone say, are you okay? And because I never let people see me sweat and I carried a huge chip on my shoulder, that chip was a brick, like five, 10,000 bricks on that shoulder. I came, became very sarcastic, very petty. I was already this way, but it got worse. Because I wasn't going to allow you to get close enough to hurt me anymore. You already hurt me. So I'm not going to let you break me down and beat me down. Because one of the things with me, the harder you go after me, the harder I'm coming after you. And that's real. And my kids are just the same exact way. It may take a minute. It may seem like they're weak. But they're going to come back for you. I came back immediately. There was no hesitation. Because I wasn't going to allow anybody to continue to do it. They weren't going to know. Let me put it like that. They were doing it, but I wouldn't let them know. So I became very snide. Oh, I was horrible. I'm going to tell you the truth. I told my oldest daughter, if she had known me growing up, we would have never gotten along. Not at all. We wouldn't have been able to stand each other. The fact that we love each other is because I'm a different person now. 
but I still can go back to that other person and I fight like hell to never go back to her because I don't even like her not like that so anyway I had to learn for years how to get along to go along and I hate that I want that cycle broken today in your life how we have to yes sir no sir three bags full sir people in order to feel validated absolutely not I'm talking about in our families in our friendships in our businesses in our offices with our co-workers with our employers with our teachers with our principals with the presidents of universities whoever you have to deal with cut out that get along to go along that's crap that is trauma but we've accepted so much I think one day I'm gonna talk about trauma we have accepted so much trauma in our lives as necessary as okay as every day because nobody wanted to stand up for themselves because they didn't want to feel like they were out on alone and somebody would hurt them we have put on a lot of poison because we didn't want to hurt other people so we allow ourselves to get hurt we're the ones dying early heart heart problems strokes um our alzheimer's uh, all kinds of manners of sicknesses and illnesses alcoholism drugs promiscuity all of that because we're trying not to hurt other people and can i tell you something people don't give a damn about you i'm gonna be honest with you 100 i told you we're gonna keep it real and be really adult up in here they will say all they gotta say about you they will talk behind your backs But at the end of the day, they're living their lives. They're not living your life. <laughs> they're not in your skin. They're not in your skeleton. They're living their lives over on the other side of the door, on the other side of the building, on the other side of the block, on the other side of the city, on the other side of the state, on the other side of the country. They don't give a damn for real. Because if they did, they would give you some steps to take. They would give you some real ideas of how to help you instead of just putting you down. Instead of pouring poison, they would suck the poison out and give you some positivity in your life. But they don't do that. They're telling you what they would do if they were you, what you should do. But meanwhile, they're living their own lives. It struck me honestly but i didn't deal with it until i got older but it struck me that when i got pregnant out of wedlock my parents practically forced me to get married let's keep it 100 my mother was very vocal about not having a grandchild out of wedlock what would people say what would the church say what would people think it's not how it's done my dad was if he was good enough to lay with he's good enough to marry no that's not true he was a rebound i did not love him aren't you supposed to get married for love but i didn't step up for myself i did not argue i said one time i don't want to get married and boy the fires works happen 
not only was it my parents, it was my great aunts, it was other family members. Everybody had an opinion. Everybody, oh, get married, blah, 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 blah. And because I had already disappointed them, I had dropped out of school, I'm an embarrassment, I'm still the black sheep like I've always felt. Let me not be the black sheep anymore. Let me do something that's going to please them so they are not embarrassed. Can I keep it 100 with you? I wasn't embarrassed. I wasn't that chick. So what, I had a child and I wasn't married. It wasn't supposed to be that way. It wasn't supposed to be with him. But guess what? This is my baby and I'm gonna take care of her. I'm gonna work my booty off to take care of her regardless. So I don't need to be married to somebody to do that. Their thing was, well, you already heard one part, but then the other part was give her a last name. If you marry him, he'll always have to support her. He will always be in her life. Yada, yada, yada. To keep the peace and because I felt obligated and because I wanted to make my parents happy, because I wanted my family to accept me, because I didn't want to be the black sheep anymore, because I didn't want to be talked down to, talked about anymore I went ahead and got married can I tell you what was on my mind please get me out of this I don't want to do this I don't like him it was a true story I was in love with someone else who had broken my heart I had not dealt with the heartbreak and so here I was getting married to someone I did not love did not like we were fooling around. Yeah, we were kicking it. Yeah, we were in a relationship, but it wasn't real to me. I didn't honor it. And I got pregnant. While using birth control. That's the craziest part. But I got pregnant. And now I'm getting married to someone I don't love. And I'm sitting here like, this ain't real. Because I don't love him. That's not what, when I was looking at happily ever after, when I was digging up, uh, Belle and Cinderella. Okay, Belle wasn't out yet. Not that that movie wasn't out yet. Cinderella and Snow White and, and all of those princesses, they were in love with the prince. That's how they lived happily ever after because they were in love. They weren't in lust. It wasn't even lust. It was heartbreak. They didn't have that damage going on. So how are we going to live happily ever after if I'm not feeling him like that? And I had to fake the funk. To make everybody else happy. And I was sitting there crying and miserable. Like, get me out of, I don't want this. When our first wedding day fell through, I was so happy. I was like, yes, I'm done. It's over. And I got beat in the head. All over again. Get married, get married, get married, get married. And I'm sitting there like, I had my way of escape. Twice. First, I lost my engagement ring. Bowling. And I was like, yep, that's it. Woo, that's a sign. Then an infidelity on his part happened. And I was like, for real, for real, I'm good. I'm done. Wonderful. But beat in the head, beat in the head, beat in the head. We said I do. I made everybody else happy. Now, I'm going to tell you some real conversation. Then I always tell you to buckle up and prepare for the ride. Because it, 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 this show can go anywhere when we said I do we went to a reception the next morning 
he flew out to Okinawa for a year tour overseas. We never lived as man and wife, ever. And so I went on with my life and found out that he was being unfaithful. Once I found out he was unfaithful, I didn't care about my wedding vows. I was walking in to being single. I was separated in my head. I was like, hey, he's cheating. I don't want that. Remember, I don't do second chances. Not back then. I didn't know nothing about forgiveness and having to forgive and why we should forgive. You do something, you're done, over with. Because if that was the case, I would have forgiven my first love and we wouldn't have had these issues because I would have been with the man I was in love with, having a child for the man I was in love with, the man I was engaged to first. So if I didn't give the man I love a second chance, I ain't giving him no second chance. So I went on and lived my life like a single person and people could not understand it, but I didn't give them information. I didn't care. I did what y'all wanted me to do. It didn't work. I'm moving on and doing what I want to do. And the moment I tried to live in my life, it was a problem. Years. No, 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 no. Let me finish right here. Now, remember one of the things I was talking to getting married for? He will forever have to support her. She will have his last name. He'll forever be in her life. Yada, yada, yada. Yada, yada. How about he was in the military, but he stopped the military payment for his family. So I wasn't getting anything for spousal wise and my child was getting nothing for being his child. None of the benefits. It took my uncle who was in the military, who was high ranked in the military, which he didn't know, a branch that he was in to go do some stuff, take care of some things for me in order for us to get money a month. To get uh, privileges to go on base, to get the card and everything, the insurance, all of that was because of my uncle. The man I married was so busy in the street doing what he was doing as a married single man that he didn't take care of his family. The very reason they wanted me to get married. And he didn't do it. And I sat there and I was like, so uh, let me see. I don't physically have a husband. I don't emotionally, mentally financially, spiritually, relationally, have a husband. Why did I say I do? Why did I stop my chances from being with somebody I actually wanted to be with, to be in this mess? Oh, to give my child a father that she would have in her life always. This is the same man who was in and out of her life all her life, who was more out than in. So what did marriage do? And when we came to the table years later after my children were all here and my child was grown. My parents said to me, well, I didn't know it was going to be all of that. Right. You didn't know. You should have listened to me when I said I did not want to do it. I know me better than anybody else. But because I wanted to make you happy, because I wanted to feel your love and acceptance because I wanted to fit in, because I wanted to sit in that box in the corner so that you wouldn't look at me with hurt and disappointment and disillusionment in your eyes like you always did. I did what you wanted me to do. And it messed my life all the way up. Boy, when I tell you. But it's okay because everything is a lesson learned. It's not okay. 
everything is a lesson learned. I took, it took years for me and my daughter to get past that because she didn't have a father in her life. There's a lot to it. Boy, I was about to, y'all gonna have to buy the book. I'm writing a book right now. Y'all gonna have to read that one to get some more information because it was a lot. But I'm here to tell you that you have to suck that poison out. That poison of people pleasing. That poison of living for other people. That poison of competing, being in competition, trying to be better than, trying to mirror. You have to stop that. You can only live your life. You grew up the way you grew up with the ideologies that ideologies, ideologies, ideologies. Okay, there it goes. I was trying to say idea, ideology, and something else. You grew up with that. Your household was one way. Somebody's household is totally different. You can't be a clone, not for your parents, not for your family, not for your friends, not for your associates, because you're a different person. Even if you grew up in the same household with the same parents, you still wouldn't be the same Look at twins. Twins look identical and for the most part, they're not the same. And they're born at the same time, practically, to the same parent, in the same household, usually. And they're not the same. That's as close to a mirror as you can get. And they're different. So why is it you're trying to pattern your life after other people? They don't have your situation. They don't have your mindset. Just because you have the same parents, a brother, sister, sister, brother, siblings will not all be the same. They will not behave the same. They will not like the same things. You trying to please people, you trying to keep up with the Joneses and the Johnsons and the Clarks and the Carters and the Browns and the Whites and the Blues and the Yellows is not beneficial to you. Come out of that box. Start sucking that poison out that has been poured onto you since you were a child. You were made for much more than being somebody's copycat, for living someone else's life. Okay, I get you want to please your parent, but they should have lived their own life. They should have. I'm telling you this because I've lived it and I've done it. I lived the life of trying to live someone else's life. I tried to put on my child's life what I wanted her to do because I saw her giftings and her skill. And you know what? It's not what she wanted. So I had to back up and say, okay, I may not agree with what you're doing. I may not agree with your ideas and choices, but I'd rather you get it at 20 than at 40 something. Sometimes I, and I'm being honest with you, sometimes I look at my life and say, why did it take so long? I could have been walking in success a long time ago if I, if I woulda, coulda, shoulda, and I hate the woulda, coulda, shoulda game, but I have it sometimes because I'm like, here I am in my middle part of my life where I should be stacking, stacking bags bagging it up instead of just starting out 
I should be looking at, okay, I've done this for 20, 25 years. I'm accomplished. I'm successful. Let me start really looking at retirement so I can travel. I can host events and speak. I don't have to worry about money. But here, 2020, it was where I truly was starting my life. I was born in 72. 2020, I was just really starting my life fresh, new, knowing who I was, knowing my limitations, knowing my flaws, knowing where I needed areas of improvement, where I accomplished, where I was successful, things I did right. 2020, where I was breaking old habits, breaking old mindsets. 2020, where I was forgiving and letting go of past pains. 2020, and I still got a lot of work to do. But 2020. So I may not have agreed with my daughter's way of doing things or the way she was thinking or what she, but guess what? She was learning her identity at 20 something as opposed to 40 something. Now, yeah, we all have our own timing, but imagine how much further you will go if you take stock of where you are and who you are and what you like and what you don't like and stop giving a bleep about what other people think because they're going to do what they're going to do regardless of what you do. I know this for sure because I might have been disappointed in a choice that my daughter made, but guess what? It's her life. It's her choice. It didn't stop me from doing the stuff I was doing. I didn't have sleepless nights like, oh my gosh, I wish she hadn't gone to uh, that grocery store. I wish she had gone to the other grocery store. No, life continues. And something my kids and I always say, always, always, since they were babies and because, you know, they learned how to speak something that has always been our family philosophy. People will tell you what they will and won't do until they get into your situation. I would never, I wouldn't, oh, you would not catch me if I was you. People good for saying those lines. And the moment they get into a situation like yours, what happens? You're looking at them because they're doing the things they told you not to do. The things they would ever, never, ever. Oh, I could not. Oh, I would not. Oh, but they're doing it. You never know until you walk into someone's footsteps. When you walk a mile or two or 10 in their shoes, you don't know what you would do. You don't know what you would do until you are in the situation. So why are you advising people on what they could, should do? Do you know that counselors, psychiatrists, psychologists, life coaches don't tell you what to do. That's not their job. Their job is to listen to you and tell you what they hear and give you suggestions of things you might want to try to help you. But they never say, well, if I was you. No, 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 no. And these are people who are trained to help you heal. 
that's what that's it they are trained whether they've gone to college whether they've gone to get their masters or their phd whether they've gotten a license or a certification they are trained to help you heal mentally emotionally relationally spiritually financially whatever physically depending on where you are this is what their training is to help heal not to pour poison in their job is to help you pull the poison out there that's what they're for your leaders in church they're supposed to do the same thing so for all the people who would have could have should have what they would have done and how they would have done it how they wouldn't have, why are you listening to them they're not paid to help you they're not hired to heal you we give all these ears to these people that don't deserve to have our ears when we could talk to the source of it all god is free we could talk to him and seek wise counsel you can go to people who are actually their job is to help you heal why are we getting all this advice from nene and them nene and them ain't even got themselves together they don't got their stuff right but yet we keep going to them and we wonder why we're not healing why we're not evolving why we're not moving forward why we're not free and why all this poison is in us don't you know sometimes when you go to people you feel worse when you go to them than before you went to them it's because that's not what they're supposed to, they're not supposed to advise you that's not what, they weren't put here for that the woulda coulda shoulda what no 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 not the woulda coulda shoulda but what i would have done what you should do what you would do if i were you those people no back up go on and handle your life Go water your garden. Help your grass to grow. I'm going to work on my garden over here. I'm going to get this poison out. It's just like when weeds come into your garden. What do you do? Pull them out by the root. Pull that poison out of you. Get those mindsets out of you. Get those thoughts out of you. All the people saying negative things about you. Oh, you should have been dead at 20. Well, guess what? You're 21 now, boo. So you passed that curse. Get that off of you. You were raised in a project. And so what? Do you know how many successful people came from the project? Pull that negativity off. Get that poison out of you. Oh, you were the child of a broken marriage. And so what? I won't be somebody who has a broken marriage. Pull that off of you. You can change. You can heal. You can evolve. You can come up. You can progress. But first, you got to get that poison out. You got to put yourself first. If we're going to be real about it, everybody else is. All those people that are down talking you, they put themselves first. Because when they want to do something, they do it. And you don't know what's going on behind their closed doors. How many people sit in judgment, but they home drinking? They home sniffing? They home shooting up? They home sleeping with somebody else's man or somebody else's woman? How many people? But yet they want to advise you and tell you how bad your life is and are in judgment of you. When in reality, if we were to take a camera and if we all lived on a reality show, what was that um, show? Was it Truman with uh, Jim Carrey? I think it was where everything was a reality show. 
if we were to take cameras into everybody's homes that talked down about you, that judged you, that made you feel little, that didn't pour love into you, that ridiculed you, that um, kept their affection and attention away from you, that neglected you, betrayed you, that hurt you. If we were to put a camera into those people's homes, what stories would you see? Everything that glitters is not gold. And every green lawn ain't green because there are no weeds in it. It's because of all the bull stuff that's underneath it. And that's true story. I want you to be the best you. That's why I'm here. I'm here to help you heal and to live your life in abundance, abundant living. I'm not going to tell you anything that I haven't been walking into. I'm not just guessing these things. These are things I have lived. This is why I share with you some of the things I go through. It's not because I want to keep revisiting my life. <laughs> Trust me, a lot of it I want to forget. But I need you to know that I'm coming from a place of truth. I'm coming from honesty. I'm being genuine with you. I've dealt with it. So I understand it. And I know you can live a better life. That's what my aim is. So as I'm improving and moving forward and living a better life, I'm going to pull people with me. I don't want you to be stuck in the muck and mire. You deserve more than that. The mere fact that God created you tells me that you deserve better than that. Now, it doesn't mean you need to be with every person or listen to every person. No. You got to pull the poison out from people. You got to come out of the box that they try to put you into and trap you into and ask yourself, what is it I want to do with my life? What are the things that I like? What are the things I don't like? See, you'll never be able to progress until you know your truth. I'm not talking about the truth where we sometimes hide behind those words. It's my truth. So I can say something snippety and smart and sarcastic to a person that really irks me. Well, I, I'm just speaking in my truth. No, Google, what you're doing is trying to denigrate people and put them down. That's not speaking in your truth. That's being nasty and conniving. But anyway, I, I digress. Let me come back. because I, I, You have no idea how speaking when I hear the, that, that, that terminology and I hear the words that come before it or with it. I'm just sitting there like, Lord, shall I be Peter today and cut an ear? But anyway, <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's be real about this. When I say your truth, I mean, how do you feel? What do you like? What do you love? What do you like about you? How do you feel about yourself for real? Do you have days where you feel like a runway model and then you have days when you feel like the scarecrow? I mean, reality, re be real with you. I had to do it. There are things I want to change about myself. Trust me. Trust me. And if I had the money, they would be changed. And then I would be confident. But I'm getting my confidence back the more time I spend with myself and knowing I'm a good person. I have a great sense of humor, even though, you know, people don't always laugh at my jokes. <laughs> you know, kids be like, oh, mom, you're not funny. But yeah, I did laugh. Don't, don't leave it trying. 
But the more I get to know me, the more I like me. Even when I have down days, I like me where I didn't like me. There are things about me that I have grown to love, like my complexion, which I despised growing up. Remember, we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. So spending time with you and knowing what you want is powerfully important because now you will get past those people who try to put their venom and their poison on you or try to put you in that box. No, 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 no. I'm good. Thank you. Thank you. I didn't, I, I'm okay. You don't have to argue with them. You don't have to give them a piece of your mind. Baby, please keep all of your minds by giving away pieces. You don't have to because you know who you are. And no matter what they say or what they do, you're going to stand firm in you. That's why you take time with yourself. That's why you get all this poison out and all these echoes of voices. So you know what you like and who you are and what you want to do and what you don't want to do, who you want to be with, who you uh, don't want to be with. Think you need to hear that from you for yourself. And you can't do it when everybody else is pouring into you. So you got to get rid of them. Shut those voices off. Suck all that poison out. Throw that box away so that you can't ever go back into it. And be uniquely, originally you. Be who you were meant to be when God created you. No, it's not going to be an overnight thing. No, absolutely not. You have to make a conscious effort to work on this. But it's so rewarding. When I discovered who I was or started discovering, because it's still a process, there's still things I'm working on. But I began in 2020. And when I started taking a look at myself, I was like, wow, I thought I wasn't like this anymore, but I am still like that. Okay, so I need to work on this. And Oh, I overcame that. Wow, amazing. I was falling in love with myself left and right, right and left, even with my flaws and faults, even with them. It was like an awakening, like, wow, I'm seeing stuff. I was in awe. And so I share that with you so that way you will do that for yourself. No one can give you validation for real. Because as much as people pour on you things until you have it for yourself, no one will be able to give it to you. No one can make you happy. You have to have happiness yourself. You have to be confident yourself. No one can give you confidence. They can tell you all day long that you're gorgeous, but if you don't feel like you're gorgeous, you'll never receive it. They can tell you all day long that you're intelligent, but until you receive the fact that you're intelligent, you'll never believe it. So these are steps and tips and tricks for you to put yourself first Spend time with you to suck out that poison. I'm going to keep saying suck out the poison. It has made you make some horrible choices and decisions because you didn't think you were worthy. You didn't think you deserved better. And yeah, I'm talking for myself too. I made horrible choices because I thought that's all I had because I didn't deserve better. than This is what I get for this decision. This is what I get for dropping out. This is what I get for having a child out of wedlock. This is what I get. That's, I just beat myself up just listening to the echoes of other people. Beating myself up. 
2020. So when I said, hold up, hold up, hold up. I can't be that bad. Hold on. Let me let me get some new mindsets. Let me do some new thinking. Hold on. Let there be some changes. And out of that, something I never thought I would do, I did. I wrote a book. Then I self-published a book. Whoa, hold up. Not the failure, not the dropout of, of college, not the person who people talk down about, not the one they said was going to be dead at 21, not the, yeah, me. The one who had a child out of wedlock, like me. That person. The one who was made to feel less than nothing. She did something that those who talked about me have yet to do. And I don't mean to say it like a nana nana boo boo, but I'm just being honest with you. I don't focus on that. I'm just grateful that I was given the opportunity. I am so grateful to have been able to put thoughts down on paper into a journal. And it's not for me. It's a journal that will help other people. It will help you to walk in some truths, to, to operate better in your life and then I wrote a second book just if this was a class assignment it's the crazy thing my second book was a class assignment but I have a real testimony in it, a real one and as I was writing it I got relief and I was released from th some things that I did not know had tried to sneak back in and can I tell you something I wrote the second book, Five Steps to Overcoming Unforgiveness. It released in May. I want to say it was May 5th, my publishing date for this book. Yesterday, I was able to have cleansing tears about my biological father. I felt so good to release those tears that I had not been able to release, not at the funeral, not after the funeral, because I was focused on everything that was happening around me. I really never got the opportunity to mourn my biological father in our relationship that was a hit or miss. That was more miss than hit. But the thing, the truth of the matter was, even though he wasn't in my life, he was a part of my life. And anyone who's been a part of my life, I have real feelings for. So I had not even been able to 100% for real, for real, release that grief and he passed in 2016 December 2016 we buried him January 2017 we're in 2021 but because I was able to write it helped me to release some things that I still was holding on to even after I forgave him there was still some remnants of stuff. And yesterday, we're talking about 2021. <laughs> I was able to release. So I'm sharing that with you. Like, it's a constant work. My cousin said it best. She said, you never get to better because just as soon as you get to better, there's another step to go to get even better than that. So it's like you're constantly working on you to be better. And it's a great thing because the more better yes I said it more better or the betterer I will say either way <laughs> and I know they're both wrong but the more better more better you get 
the more you find about yourself that you love and like. And you keep pushing yourself to get better and better and better. Not because you're competing with anybody, but you want to be better than what you were. And that's real. So my prayer for you this week is that you will take time to spend time with you and to figure out what you like and don't like about yourself. Some of the things that you have going on in your life, some of the jobs that you're working, some of the things that you're doing. Are you happy? Do you know what happy is? Do you have joy? Happiness and joy are two different things. We'll talk about that another time. Do you have peace? Do you have real love in your life? Love for yourself, love for your family, love for your mate, your significant other, your spouse. It's time to examine you. But first, suck all that poison out. Write down every negative thing that was said about you and cancel it out. I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. I rebuke that. I am not that person. I am not that. Get it out of you. Pull that up by the root. Denounce it. And keep doing it until it's out, until you don't hear an echo of it anymore. I don't hear those echoes anymore. I'm only bringing it up so I can help you understand where I was and what I went through. I don't hear those echoes anymore. Thank God, because I heard them for years. Remember 2020. I love you all. Thank you so much for tuning in to Straight Talk with Andrea Joyce tonight. I hope this program, this podcast was a blessing to you. If you have not purchased 31 Ways to Self-Care, please go to my website, www.authorandreajoyce.com. I will send you um, an autographed copy. You can also get Five Steps to Overcoming Unforgiveness there as well. They're both also available on Amazon.com. I appreciate you. You are better than what they say. I promise you that. I will see you next week when you tune in. Come back for the ride. Straight Talk with Andrea Joyce. Be blessed.